everyone, and welcome to the Running Obstetrician Podcast. My name is Christopher Morosky, and I am the Running Obstetrician. In this episode, we return to our obstetrics topic. Obstetrics. And, as we continue to further investigate obstetrical forceps, we are going to talk about the blades of the forceps. So with forceps in hand, let us begin. Most folks think of the blades as the business end of the forceps. After all, they are the part which are placed into the maternal pelvis and hold onto the infant's head. At the end of the day, the purpose of the blades is to provide grip onto the fetal head, and this is done through the forces of compression and through the texture of the forceps blades itself. In quicker view, when looking at the forceps blades, there can be seen to be several common parts. The cephalic curve is the curve of the blade that goes around the fetal head. When articulated and held up, this gives the appearance of the circular opening in the blades where the fetal head would be placed. The pelvic curve is 90 degrees to the cephalic curve, with the one exception being the Barton forceps, and this rests at the base of the blades when the forceps are articulated and laid to rest on a table. This curve follows the descending curve of the maternal pelvis and allows for application within the pelvis and safe removal with traction. The heel of the blade is the portion of the blade that meets with the shank. The toe of the blade is the end of the forceps blade that is furthest from the handle. Going back to the earliest modern forceps, those created by the Chamberlains in the 1600s, the blades of the forceps were mostly fenestrated. This meant that they were open in their middle. This opening can be seen in the Simpson forceps as well as the original Elliott forceps. With articulation and compression, the opening allows for some of the soft tissue of the fetal head to pass through, thus increasing the grip. The Tucker-McLean forceps were the first forceps to have a completely closed or smooth blade. This smooth blade made for ease of insertion and removal and left no part of the blade which could be caught up on a fetal part, such as the nose or ear. Lukart's modification was to create a pseudo-fenestration or thinning in the area of the previous opening. This brought together the benefits of both open and solid blades, and Lucart's modification can be seen in the blade of many modern forceps, including the Elliott, McLean, and Simpson forceps that you might find in your labor and delivery unit. Following back the lineage, the descendants of the Simpson forceps have long tapered blades measuring 18 centimeters in length. These allowed for decreased compression on the molded fetal head, fitting in with Simpson's purpose behind the separated shanks. The Elliott forcep and its descendants of Tucker McLean, Lucart, and Keeland are 15 centimeters long. These blades are closer and have greater compression, with the toes of the blade being only 1.5 centimeters apart with full articulation, as opposed to the Simpson forceps, which are 3.5 centimeters apart once fully closed. Most blades are approximately 5 centimeters in breadth at their widest and 3 millimeters in thickness. Keelan forceps, which can be used for both rotation and traction, are rather 4 centimeters in width and have a beveled contour to allow for rotation. This makes the thickness of the Keelan slightly greater, allowing for increased grip on the fetal head. So, Selection of forceps for their use in the clinical situation often revolves around the differences and modifications in the blades as described. Knowledge of these differences can help when assessing the need for degree of compression, grip, and rotation. 
And that will about do it for Forceps Blades. I hope you found this podcast helpful. If you are looking for more podcasts, be sure to check out our website, www.runningobstetrician.com. And of course, you can find us on iTunes. So until next time, take care, take it easy, and keep on running.